Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let me read beginning at verses 14 through 20. 1 Corinthians 15, 14 through 20. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he hath raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, yet you are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. I'd like to ask you a question. What if there had been no Jesus? What if there would have been no Jesus? Corinth was a Greek city, and as such, the Greeks did not believe in the resurrection of the dead. As a matter of fact, there were a group of religious people by the name of Sadducees that were alive uh, during the same time that Jesus lived. And the Sadducees brought a lot of torment and pain to Jesus and to his ministry. And yet the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. They did not believe in the resurrection. But Paul, when he was preaching at Athens and he preached about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there were many in that crowd that mocked him, laughed at him, and really made fun of him. And we read about that in Acts 17.32. And when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others says, we will hear thee again on this matter. The Greek philosophers considered the body uh, to be some type of a prison house, and death would be an escape from the bondage itself. And yet that type of teaching had crept into the church at that particular time, and the Apostle Paul had to hit that head on. So what he began to do in reading the Word of God, the truth of the resurrection had doctrinal and practical implications to it, and therefore the Apostle Paul had to hit it, he had to talk about it, and he had to straighten out the teaching, the false teaching, uh, that had crept into the church at that particular time. So Paul dealt with this subject by answering, I believe, four questions in 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 15. He first First of all, he began to talk about are the, the question he asked, are the dead raised? Then the next question, when are the dead to be raised? How are the dead to be raised? And why are the dead raised? Those are four questions that Paul, I believe, answers uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, part of it, and also in 1 Corinthians 15. Now, that's a lot of material to go through, and we're not going to try to do that tonight. But one thing is for sure, that the dead are indeed raised. And the Bible lets us know that if we don't have hope in a resurrection of Christ, then we have no hope of our own resurrection. I don't know what resurrection is going to look like, but I'll tell you this much, it's not reconstruction of the old. Resurrection is a brand new body. It was sown in weakness, but it'll be raised in power. It was sown as corruptible, but it'll be raised incorruptible. It was sown as a mortal, but will come out immortality, if you will. It's not a reconstruction of the old. It's a brand new body. And yet we don't know what that body is going to look like, but the Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when he appears, we will have a body fashioned like his own glorious body, no longer susceptible to sickness, disease, death, dying, or pain. And I thank God for that. There's a hope for our friends and our family members that's already preceded us in death. They won't come back. They will come back, but not in an old body like this, but one fashioned like the body of the Lord Jesus Christ.
So it's important to know that we're going to have a resurrection one day. Praise God for that. But it's also important though, if we believe there's going to be a resurrection of this physical body, then we ought to glorify God in the body that we have at this present moment and this present hour. But we also understand there will be a resurrection of the just and there will be a resurrection of the unjust. The resurrection of the just will have a body like that of Christ. But the resurrection of the unjust, they will have a body suited for the environment of hell. And what that body will look like, I do not know. But I do know this, it behooves every one of us that believe that there will be a resurrection of the just and unjust, it behooves us as Christians to warn all the ungodly that we possibly can about the terror that waits them that they're going to stand before a living God and give an account for the deeds done in this present body today. For the Bible said it's appointed the man wants to die, after that there will be a judgment. It is a fearful thing uh, to fall into the hands of a living God. So with that being said, we as Christians have an awesome responsibility of telling the world about this thing called a resurrection. Now with that being said, uh, Paul did not give the teaching on the resurrection just to pacify the curiosity of Christian people. Uh, he did that because they needed to know uh, the truth and the integrity of God's Word. With that being said, Paul reminds us, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, knowing the terror of the Lord, we as Christians, we are to persuade men but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest unto your conscience. With that background in mind, would you permit me now to lift five words out of this text from my basis of thinking tonight? And the five words I want to lift out of the text is say this in verse 17, and if Christ be not, and if Christ be not, then look down if you will at verse 19, seven more words, we are all men most miserable. If Christ be not, we are of all men most miserable. Here's the question. Would you like to live in a world without Christ? Would you like to live in a world without the memory of Jesus Christ? Would you like to live in a world where there was no Christmas and where there was no Easter to celebrate? What, what two holidays, what can we do to replace such beautiful holidays as Christmas and Easter? What would you do to, 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 to try to take over uh, the great words of the birth of Jesus Christ when the angel appeared and said, this day uh, the Savior has been born and peace upon earth and goodwill toward men. What words could take the place of that? And what words could take the place of what Jesus said when he came out of the empty tomb on the resurrection morning when he said, all hail, which means don't fear life, I've been there. I don't fear death, I overcame it. Don't fear sin, I conquered it. And don't fear hell, I overcame it and defeated it. What words are you going to find to take the place of the words that came on Christmas morning and Easter morning? Would the world be better off without the great art uh, like the Sistine Chapel or without Rembrandt's uh, Prodigal Son? Would we be better off without the great classics like Dant and Milton and Tennyson and Browning? And the list goes on and on. And my friend, without Jesus Christ, I remind you that there would be no St. Peter's uh, in, uh, 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 there in Rome and there'd be no Westminster Abbey uh, there in England as well. And why bother to visit Israel? 
If Jesus Christ had never been born, what's the point of going to Nazareth? He wasn't born. What's the point of going to Bethlehem? He was never born. What's the point of going to Nazareth uh, where he was raised as a little boy? Why should we go uh, down to the Sea of Galilee? He never was there to walk on the water. And why should we go uh, there into uh, any of the Capernaum? Uh, there was no mother-in-law of Peter to heal. And why should we go to the Beatitudes? There was no message for Jesus to preach because he never was. And why should we go uh, down into the Garden of Gethsemane? He never prayed. And why should we go uh, to uh, the cross because he never died? And why should we go to the Garden Tomb? He never was there to rise from the grave. And why should we go to the Mount of Olives? He never ascended to heaven. And why should we go to the upper room? Because the Holy Spirit can never descend. What's the point of going to Israel if Jesus Christ had never been? Would you really want to live in a world where the name of Jesus Christ never appeared? Would you want to live in a world where they deny the existence of Jesus Christ and yet there are groups in this world of America and around the nations of the world that want to wipe out the very thought and the very memory that there was ever a person by the name of Jesus Christ? They are forcing their agendas upon society to today. Many have legislated Jesus Christ out of the public schools of our American children. Uh, we have taken the Ten Commandments away and out of the courthouses of America. Uh, we, the many are wanting to, uh, to, to basically say that they're mocking and denying and cursing uh, the name of Jesus Christ day in and day out. They ridicule His Word and they reject the teachings that He gave and they've taken the decency out of life and we've made life so cheap uh, that the baby growing inside the womb of a mother is nothing more than a tissue that can be flushed down a toilet somewhere. We've cheapened society of life. Why? There's no consequences for sin. There is no one to convict us of sin without Jesus. There is no litmus test on which to live by. There's no word of God to ascribe to. And there's no one that can save us uh, from sin's penalty and deliver us from sin's power and one day eradicate us from sin's very presence. Do you really want to live in a world that did not have Jesus in it? There seems to be no place for Jesus in our government any longer either. He's being replaced with politics and politicians with agendas that have fascism and socialism and Marxism along the way. A nation founded upon this Bible has quickly been erased and little by little attraction of communism and socialism uh, seems to be the thing of the day. America is being brainwashed by anti-Christian propaganda that talks and acts and governs as if there has been no Jesus upon this planet. The name of Jesus is getting in the way of progress in the hearts and lives of many people. Yet Jesus influenced every law book in this land today. The modern day scoffer said, let's return to nature. Let's live as the brute beast. Let's live as the animals. I mean, after all, uh, there is no such thing as immortality, and therefore there is no such thing as morals. Let me live the way I want to live. Let me get the, go for the gusco. Let me get the most I can out of life. Let me do what I want, when I want, wherever I want, to whomever I want, because when I die, I go right back to the ground just the same way an animal dies. There is no God to contend with. If you get Jesus out of your life, you don't have anything to worry about, they say. The results of poor living and false hope that leads to ruin and devastation and pain. A world without Jesus is a madhouse, to say the least. Do you, do you really want restraint removed? Do you really, in America, do we want that? 
This is what's happening as we see lived out every night on our television screens of what's happening around America and around the globe. Uh, we have people today uh, that are burning down our cities. Uh, they're looting stores with smash and grab in our department stores. Uh, they are making fun of our, the men in blue. Uh, they are smashing police cars. Uh, they're jumping up and down on police cars, toggling them over and shooting and wounding and stabbing and killing our men in blue and even in green today as well, right before our eyes. Are we more liberated today uh, because we have the foxes guarding the hen house? Do we feel today that this two-legged beast that we know of called human beings, uh, you think that we're ever going to change if we don't have a Jesus to change us? Will the minds of the warped people of this world ever change if Jesus is not here to do the changing? Two-legged beasts will die like the four-legged beast unless there is a power greater than sin, a power greater than the devil, and a power greater than what's ruling the hearts and minds of men and women around this world today. Yet, it would be a different world if there was no Christ to stand between the wicked men and human beings today. A nation without Jesus. What type of world would you live in? The calendar would be different. There would be no B.C., and there would be no A.D. What kind of force would be in our governments to make us do what we don't want to do? Because where there is no restraint, where there is no decency, where there is no power of God, man is left up to be the survival of the fittest and the strongest one gets to the top. What, what benevolent dictator would you want to serve today? What name do you have in mind? If you don't mind, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Have you thought what it would be like to make a nation without the concept of Jesus Christ in it? Would you like today to have a 50-state federation of Islam with mosques on the corner of every street in America instead of churches? Would you like to have Sharia law that dictate the way we're going to live our life today? Would you like to live in a, in a government uh, where communism ruled the hour? And where you were told what you could do and what you cannot do, all the steps along the way, uh, ungodly form of communism that seems to be gaining traction in America. Look at the countries that govern that way. They can't afford a loaf of bread. Look at the countries that are ruled under this godless communism today and socialism. Uh, they, they can't make ends meet. Uh, they, they can barely fork out a living, let alone have a life. And there's no joy in the life. I've been to communist countries. I have seen uh, what communism does and not like some of you here. We've got a young lady here wave at us to us, if you will. She says, you all don't know what you got here. She's raised where there's dictatorship and where there's been pain. She understands, I believe, what I'm saying tonight. And I pray to God that we do. If we're not careful, we're going to hand the world away from Jesus uh, back into the hands of tyranny and communism and socialism. And we will almost be like a nation that never had a memory of Jesus Christ at all. Go to Haiti where they forced and made a pact with the devil and kicked God out of their country. Go to Ethiopia uh, where they're worshiping cattle and worshiping beasts and, and their bellies are bloated because of emptiness of food and they don't want anything to do with the Lord. Go to the communist countries today uh, where they do the things that they do. I'll tell you one thing, brother and sister, I am not ready to surrender the good only for something better that comes my way. And if Islam and communism and Buddhism, etc., that's not good enough for me. For me and my house, we're going to serve Jesus. Communism, no other form of isms offered by modern day world, be it politics, be it entertainment, be it sports, or be it some type of sinful practices. I want nothing to do with it. And speaking of sinful practices, without Jesus Christ, 
Who or what is going to free us from sin? Without Jesus Christ, who or what is going to love us the way we don't deserve to be loved but loved anyway? Without Jesus Christ, who can save us from sin's penalty? Who can save us from sin's power? Who can deliver us one day from the very presence of sin itself? We can't educate ourselves out of it. We cannot counsel ourselves out of it. We cannot deny it and get out of it. And there's not enough self-help in all the world to rid us of this thing called sin. There's a search today for righteousness and there's a search today for cleansing and there's something in the soul and heart of mankind that is so big only Jesus Christ can fill it. But people are looking everywhere else drinking from the wrong watering holes, eating from the wrong tables, and being entertained where they ought to be looking for somebody to take place of the void inside their life. It's asked the answer for sin. The soul is restless and need of forgiveness. It cries out for power. It cries out for authority. Government is not the answer. Ism is not the answer. Religion is not the answer. Jesus is. But what would the world be like without Jesus in it. What will we do to replace, without Christ, what will we do to replace Christian marriage and Christian funerals? Look at some of the teachings of Eastern religions who abuse women, who make them nothing more than sex slaves to their husbands. Think about some of the Eastern religions, a society built on polygamy. Societies that if you've got more girls in your family, you won't just go ahead and kill them. Go ahead and let's have ethnic cleansing, female mutilation, all just to make somebody else feel good in their world. The axe can be placed upon the necks of many people in these far eastern places where there is no God and no conscience of Jesus Christ at all. Do you want America and the nations of the world to be remade in the pattern as Brahma and the Buddhists built India? I don't. Women being burned as they take their husbands out to bury them. Do you want to replace the principles of opportunity for work and a job on the caste system? Would you rather worship a cow or worship Jesus? Would you rather believe in reincarnation or resurrection? Would you rather worship a false God or a living God by the name of Jesus Christ the Lord? I don't know about you, friend, but I would rather in my house serve Jesus Christ. This will be seen in America if we say, and if Christ be not. And by the way, can you believe yourself in trying to believe an eternal unconsciousness? That's hard to believe, an eternal unconsciousness. There are those who are teaching, well, you just die and it's over. There's no soul to live. There's no spirit to live on. There's no hell. There's no heaven. You just die and you go right back to the ground and you, there's no more consciousness. Well, friend, if that's the case, there's the gun, there's the Sinai, there's the drug overdose, and there's the rope. Knock yourself out if you think that's going to end your existence. If there are really 72 virgins waiting on you when you die, and you're ready to go to that eternal orgy, what's holding you back? Because there's something that Jesus has placed in mankind about the survival of yourself. Without Jesus Christ, the world is mad. No Jesus leads to lunacy. Cancel Jesus, and you're left with mysteries of life. Why should there be pain and suffering? How can there be any rational explanation 
to the pain and the suffering and for life itself without Jesus Christ. Denial is not the answer. Who holds the truth to the universe? Who holds the truth of the universe? Scientists? Politicians? No. Where were you at when the stars were flung into heaven, atheists? Where were you at, agnostics, when he spoke and life came into being? Who was the answer to the questions? Who brings peace to our mind in times of turmoil and sadness? Who's the one that dries our tears? Who's the one that stands by us at death? Who's the one that gives us encouragement in those discouraging moments? Who is the one whose love suckers us through of the temptations of life that comes our way? Who is a message that's believable and receivable? Without faith in Jesus Christ, I don't, have a, I don't have a foot to stand on. Without faith in Jesus Christ, I'm all finished up. Without faith in Jesus Christ, there's no reason out of the bed in the morning. Thank God I've learned that through the trials and tests of life are used as a platform to catapult me into deeper depths and higher heights. And I've learned that it's in the fire where gold is purified. And I have learned that through trials and tests of life that it makes me a better person. And I've learned that out of tribulation comes some of the greatest servants of God that's ever been known in all of this world. Great souls have come out of great tribulation. And I've learned that there's a God that loves me and a God that cares for me and a God that's given me promises. And his name is Jesus Christ. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Someone said the greatest discoveries of life were not Columbus discovering America. The greatest discoveries of life were not Newton discovering gravity or Franklin discovering electricity. The greatest discovery has been the discovery of growth of character through suffering, the surrender of man's will to the will of God. Jesus taught this well, and we need to heed his teaching, and we need to heed his examples as well. Take all that away, there gives no motivation for us to live our lives. Why the pain? Why the suffering? Because of sin. How is sin defeated? Not with the isms of this world, but through Jesus Christ. And you take away Jesus, there's no room. The, the, the life is full of mystery, and life is full of riddle. And there is no meaning whatsoever. Take away all of that. There'll be no heroes. There'll be nobody wants to survive. There'll be no comeback kids. There'll be no reason out of the bed in the morning. No Christ. Nothing but stagnation and selfishness. The soul of man cannot be self-propelled. It takes wind to move a vessel down the ocean. It takes gas to move a vehicle, gas or propane or some kind of diesel. And the same thing is true with the human soul. The human soul has got to be propelled. And sometimes it's trials and tests and suffering that propels us into another dimension. And somehow we think that because we're Christian, we should never have those problems. And there we think, well, Christ ain't helping us at all. He helps us in everything that we do in life. We do not escape the trials of life. We do not escape the temptations of life. We do not escape the pain of life. But those things propel us into deeper life. Amen. The Apostle Paul learned that. He himself was one that was able to say, to gain your life, you must lose it. He that loses his life shall save it. Paul was able to go before men that hated him. 
He went to the dungeons. He went to the whippings. He went through the shipwrecks. He went to the prison. He knew what it was like to be flogged. He knew what it was like to be beaten. And finally, he knew what it was like to die as a martyr. Why did he do that? Because he knew there was a higher purpose to live. He understood what it was like to have no Jesus in his life. But oh, he understood what it was like to have Jesus in his life. He didn't want to go with the law of the jungle. He went with the law of Christ. If there be no Jesus, there's no life for us today, and there's no hope for me or you tomorrow. We would still be full of guilt and shame and the penalty of our own sin. If there be no Jesus, there'd be no hope for tomorrow. If there be no Jesus, there's no hope for resurrection. If there be no Jesus, there'd be no hope for heaven itself. If there be no Jesus, there'd be no purpose to life whatsoever. Death would be a leap into the unknown dark. Death would be a hole in the ground without Jesus Christ. But since Jesus came to save, he came to set free. He came to deliver. And thank God he came for time and for eternity. I remind you, death is simply a door into another dimension if we know Jesus Christ. For in my Father's house are many mansions. The only way to get there so far is by death. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. And the only way to get there is by death. We get sick and we want to go to the drugstore and get some stay here. Because God has placed within us the spirit of self-preservation. We understand that. But friend, I'm telling you what, the longer I live, the more I think heaven looks exciting. Heaven looks great. But I don't want to go before my time. But I know one thing, I want to be there when it is my time. For the absent from the body is present with the Lord. Has anybody got a better answer for the hereafter than Jesus Christ? Has anyone else accomplished the miracles that Jesus wrought? Has anybody else got greater power than Jesus has displayed? Has anyone else brought more sanity to our minds than any, anybody else in the world? Has anybody else been able to do for you what Jesus Christ has done for you? Has anybody loved you more or loved you any greater? Where would you and I be had there not been a Jesus? Has anyone else besides Jesus been able to bring peace in the midst of your pain? Has anyone besides Jesus brought joy in the midst of your sorrow? Has anyone given you a better answer for life and for eternity? Has anyone loved you any more than Jesus Christ has? If you find him, you better go to him quickly. Jesus taught us that dying is going home. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. And friend, if this don't blow you, your socks off, nothing will. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. None as the world give, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let those words calm your soul. Let those words bring peace to your heart. Let those words bring assurance to your spirit this evening. Do you want a world without Christ? Then click on a computer somewhere. Listen to a song somewhere. Listen to some Eastern guru and wallow around in your misery all by your lonesome self. Because he is, I can do all things through him. But if you want assurance, blessed assurance, lasting assurance, someone to move the fear out of your soul and help you cross the Jordan of life itself and take Jesus at face value and let his words be more than just words. They're precious promises. They're stars that shine in the darkest of night. They're promises. And he's a God that'll never leave you nor forsake you. There are those that want to doubt him and curse him and deny him and rebel against him. And what do you have? Nothing but more pain, more sorrow, 
more questions than answers, more sadness. It's still a one-way street, and there's a cemetery waiting for those that reject him. But for those of us that know him, on the other side of the grave, ha, there is victory. Imagine a world without Christ. Imagine a world without Jesus. Get rid of the hymns in the songbook. Get rid of the blood of Jesus Christ from the Bible. Shut down all the churches in America. Shut down all the airways that's singing on the radio, singing gospel and preaching the gospel and, and teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Shut down all the churches where we come to worship the Lord and hit his word taught to us. Swear our leaders in on a Playboy magazine. The word of God means nothing anymore. Take his name off of our money. Chisel him out of our history books has been doing. Forget the message that he taught. Forgive the life that he offers. And go ahead and turn the world into asylum if you must. But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Believe it or not, church, and this is a sad part, we now as Christians have a chance to give a world without Christ. I'm going to sink in. We as Christians have an opportunity to offer a world a no Christ. How do you say that, Pastor? When we neglect Sunday school, when we neglect Bible reading, we neglect corporate worship, we stay home from church, we don't pay our tithe, we don't pay our offering, we don't support missions. Is it feeling good already? I'm not trying to scold us. I'm trying to say, church, there's a devil out there trying to silence who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And if he manages to do that, we may have form and we may have ritual, but do we have Jesus? We can orchestrate him out of our services and we can orchestrate him right out of our lives. It's just like when uh, Ezekiel saw the valley of dry bones prophesy and the bones came back together and there they were, skeleton on top of bone, bone on top of bone, and the flesh upon it, and there they were. They looked alive, but they were dead. It was only until the Spirit entered into them that they became a mighty force to be reigned with. And tonight there are churches around America that have a form of being alive but are dead. The Revelation talking about that, the seven churches to Asia, there were those that you have the, you have the, uh, the, the that testimony of being alive, but you're dead. You're not on fire, you're lukewarm. And what I'm saying, if we do, if we go to sleep with the switch, we may have all the form and all the structure that may look like a church, but where is the power? Where is the spirit? Where is the love? Where is the anointing? Where is the Jesus that we talk about? He's not just a historical figure that was. Thank God he is a God that is right within the auspices of the church today. We can rush to the table and we can eat and forget to thank the Lord for the food that we have. We can throw caution to the wind as did Peter of old. We can claim to serve him in private and then curse and deny him in public. And that's exactly what Peter did. We can defile our bodies by committing sins that are contrary to the nature of God and contrary to the nature of God's word. And we can abuse the temple of the Lord. We can insult Jesus Christ in the process. But if you want that kind of world, then knock yourself out. But it's for me and my house. I want to serve the Lord. Are you hearing me? What would the world be like? What would America be like without Christ? 
And Christians, if we do go to sleep at the switch, we are giving the world a no Christ. And let me be honest with you. Look at some of the nominal churches today. You can go to some churches and learn more about Plato and Socrates than you ever learn about Jesus Christ. You can go to some churches and it's nothing more but party and dancing. Nothing at all to do with Jesus, just religion. And they sit around patting each other on the back, sipping on tea and eating cookies. My, aren't we doing great? And they go to church enough, and I'm not trying to be, I'm just being honest, enough to satisfy their religious conscience, but no Jesus in their midst. I remember years ago, a lady went to a highbrow church. You know what a highbrow church is, if you don't, forgive me, but one of those staunch churches. And she wanted to join the church, and she wasn't their kind. She didn't have the good clothes, and she didn't have a good house she lived in, and she didn't have the proper car to drive, and she didn't get good enough money to the church. They all, sister, uh, you need to pray about this, uh, about joining the church. Uh, just pray about it. So she prayed about it. Came back a month later. Pastor, I'd like to join the church. Well, sis, you just need to pray about it a little bit longer. And she prayed another month. And, Pastor, I want to join the church. I'm faithful. Well, you, you, you just pray about it, sis. Well, he didn't see her for about three or four months. And one day he was in the hospital visiting, and he saw the little lady that wanted to join the church. He saw her vacuum the floor because she was a custodian at the hospital. He walked up and said, I hadn't seen your church in the last three months. What's happened? She said, well, you told me praying about joining the church, and I prayed about it. And she said, Jesus told me he tried to join your church the last four years, and you wouldn't let him either. It's not the ritual, it's not the form, it's not the building, it's not what we do, it's whose we are. It's whose we are, and if Christ be not, if Christ be not, we are men most miserable. Paul did that very thing prior to meeting Jesus. Give him credit. He hated Jesus Christ and the church and the, the people of God more than you and I ever have. He hated it. He, 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 he laughed. He was joyful when Christians died. He had letters to arrest them and throw them into jail. He rejoiced when Christians died. Can you imagine such hatred for a people? And he despised Jesus Christ. Christianity was more than an offshoot of Jewish religion. This man was a, a, a Pharisee. He was circumcised the eighth day. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee through and through, and all Pharisees were not bad. But this man had a Ph.D. in Judaism. He loved Judaism, and he thought he loved God. But he hated the Christians. But listen to Paul's words when he met the barefooted preacher of Galilee. And if Christ be not, we're all men miserable. So that tells me that when Paul was a religious zealot, when he was standing on his religion, when he thought he worshiped God and he worshiped his religion, he was miserable in all he did. But all oh, when he met Jesus Christ, he writes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He writes, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He writes, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. 
He writes, none of these things move me. He writes, it's no longer I that live, but Christ who lives inside me. I have died to myself, but I'm alive to the Lord. I've crucified with Christ, but I live unto him. Oh, friend, he knew what it was like to live without Jesus, but he sure knew what it was like to live with him. And tonight, if all we have is religion, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but if all we have is religion, and all we do is tip the Lord with our words and with our money and with our attitudes, friend, I'm here to tell you, we need something more than that. And Jesus died that we might know him in whom to know is the power of his resurrection. I know that there's more and more as life progresses. I need Jesus. He saved me. He set me free. He forgave me. And he's given me promises, powerful promises, both for time as well as for eternity. He has given me a peace the world cannot give. And he's taken hell out of my heart and put the hope of heaven on the inside. He's given me joy that the wobble water of this world could not do. He gave me peace that uh, the drugstore cannot give to me. He's given a hope uh, beyond anything this world can give me. And I rejoice in knowing tonight by the grace of God. I'm going to make the whole trip with my Lord. If I die, we're going through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side. But the trump of God sounds, gravity ain't going to hold this old big boy down. I'm going to shoot the moon, friend, and go to where the Lord has called me to be. Why? I know Jesus, and I know what he's done, and I know what he has promised. And if Christ be not, but thank God he is, and I pray that we can tell the world and tell our friends, our family, our neighbor exactly who Jesus is. Church, we're setting on a gold mine. We're setting on a gold mine with Jesus Christ. Not a physical, you get what I'm saying. I, I was thinking the other day about Neil Armstrong. I was thinking the fourth grade, I believe. He put that big foot down the ladder, coming, landing on the moon. And if I remember correctly, he said, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Now, if I didn't get that just right, don't email me. It's something like that. What would it have been like had Jesus never put his footprint upon the earth? But because he did, he changed my world. He's changed your world. And he wants to change the world, one soul at a time. And if Christ be not, but oh, I'm so glad that he is.